Hello everyone and welcome back to the Football Chuggy podcast. My name is Thomas Durning and today I'm joined by my co-host Pierce McLaughlin. Hello Pierce. Hello, how you doing? I'm doing well. On today's podcast, we will be discussing all the latest transfer news from around the globe, giving our best combined 11 of Celtic and Rangers players in the 21st century. And at the end of the podcast, Pierce will be giving a rundown of all the latest Asian football news. So coming up next, we'll be discussing all the latest transfer news from around the globe. So we'll kick off with some pretty big news that was at the weekend. So on Saturday, the 15th of July, it was confirmed that Declan Rice had signed for Premier League club Arsenal on a long-term contract. So uh, Declan Rice will wear the number 41 on his jersey. And it was reported that the transfer fee was a club record initial £100 potentially rising by five million in add-ons, making him the most expensive English, making him the most expensive English player, equaling the previous record held by Jack Grealish. So, Pierce, what is your reaction to Declan Rice signing for Arsenal? Um, it was one of those ones, similar to a few other transfers. It's just been, it's like it was just inevitable. Um, once Arsenal coughed up the transfer fee that West Ham were were, were looking to get. Because bearing in mind, he still had another two years left his contract, so West Ham didn't really need to sell. But they felt as if Declan Rice leaving on the high in terms of winning the European trophy for the club as a captain was the perfect way to bow out. And as you can see, 24 is at the perfect age where then he's ready to take that next step. Because West Ham, their best kind of shout is like qualifying for Conference League or Europa League. Um or even a top half finish, but obviously last season he struggled under David Moyes. But he is a top quality player, and Arsenal losing a few players in that in that position, and Declan Rice is an upgrade on those players. And like you say, they were they were they fell just short of Manchester City after having a terrific start last season in the league. And I do think with the addition of Declan Rice and a few others, it will make them a lot stronger and and potentially compete again with Manchester City. And I do think, obviously, paying the £105 million is a ridiculous transfer fee, but that's just English tax at the moment because if you're English and you're doing well in the Premier League, and like you say, he's an England regular as well, similar to what Man City paid for Jack Grealish, you have to pay those sort of money if you want to compete at the highest level, and that's what Arsenal have done. Yep. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been going on for quite a while now. That That's kind of transfer saga but it's now obviously officially uh, completed uh, the first thing I'll say about Declan Rice is that um, you know I was just explaining there the fact that he's the joint record uh, transfer thief for an English player uh, so having Jack Lewis the most expensive English players to, uh, for money um, so I think because of that he's going to have pressure on him from the start you know people are now going to expect him just to come in and you know you know, play well and sell right into the team. You know, it may not work out for them that way, and um, because you know it's obviously everything's different. But I think it's I think for Declan Rice for himself, I think it's a good it's a good move for him because when you look at Arsenal now, you know everything just seems to be going in the right direction. You know they've got a really good young manager, and you know the players. It's a really young team, uh, that you know that's it, that's exciting and vibrant. And I think Declan Rice coming into that, uh, I think 
is really exciting for him. Um, in terms of like the fact now that he's signed, I think that does push Arsenal's title chances. As you said, I think it's even stronger now. Uh, you know, um, although Declan Rice will probably have to have time to set onto that Arsenal team and get used to the way Arsenal play, uh, I think he'll definitely help them because obviously he has got experience as well. You know, he was West Ham captain for a good couple of years. Um, so he knows what it takes to lead on the pitch. Uh, I think he's I think he's exactly what Arsenal need in that middle of the pitch. You know that kind of flexibility, getting to getting across the the pitch and retrieving the ball. And you know, uh, I think it's a really good signing, and I definitely do think that Arsenal are real title contenders in next season. And top of that as well, sorry, just to end, uh, the fact that they've signed Julian Timber from Ajax. Who's a really good young defender, and also Kai Havertz. Um, so they've spent a lot of money, um, and you know the squad is looking really strong at the moment. So, um, Pierce, is there any other transfer news that has interested you recently? No, not really. Um, just. Kind of not really made many like kind of movement in the market. Um, just kind of ones that you've been waiting for to be confirmed. Uh, the one that was kind of similar to Declan Rice that's been kind of going on for a few weeks was uh, Kim and Jay to Bayern Munich. Because like it was, I think it was discussed like two or three weeks ago that they were willing to meet his release clause and they'd already agreed personal terms. They'd done his medical in South Korea because he was a, he was on uh, military duty. With uh, the Korean Army over the summer, um, so he done his like I think eight week course there, um, and then obviously yesterday it was confirmed that he passed medical, signed all the documents, and signed a five year deal at Bayern Munich, and I think that's a a fabulous signing by Bayern Munich because they got probably one of the most exciting defenders in Europe last season, and you've seen that Bayern Munich are kind of struggling. Uh, especially in Pumacano in the big games anyway that I watched for Bayern Munich. And I think he was slotting perfectly alongside Matthias Dillett. And I think that would potentially be a kind of frightening back too. And it's always going to make them a lot more solid and obviously with Neuer coming back in as well, um, it'll make them a, a more of a unit and the potential as well of uh, maybe Kyle Walker going to Bayern Munich as well. That's just the one yeah. that I keep an eye on. Yeah, no, uh, Kim Min Jae, um, it's been quite the, this week it's been quite the biggest story, I'd say. You know, it's been quite quiet on all kind of fronts, especially in European football the last few days. Um, you know, there's just quite a lot of speculation about players. A, a really interesting one uh, for me is the Jordan Henderson kind of situation right now. So uh, it's been, so apparently, um. Stephen Gerrard's the man, now the manager of Al Etifak, I think that's what they're called, and Al Etifak have um approached well have um kind of you know sh- shown Jordan Henderson a, a contract for him to join the club. I think it's I think it's seven hundred thousand pound a week, um for him to join the club, um and apparently Jordan Henderson's considering it, um you know John Klopp's told him that he's not going to get much playing time, uh. You know, next season. So, uh, I think that's quite an interesting one. You know, I don't think John Henderson would have been, you know, 
I don't think anyone would have predicted him even have any chance of leaving Liverpool this summer. Um, you know, obviously he's a captain and stuff. You know, he's Liverpool going through a rebuild. So, um, I think if Liverpool lost him this summer, I think that'd be a, a huge loss for them, especially the fact that their squad's changing a lot at the moment. So that's one's quite interesting. I'll see how that kind of plays out. I think probably this time next week we'll see what happens with that one. Um, and yeah, apart from that, really, there's not really much else going on at the moment. Um, you know, definitely by the time we come back next week, there'll be much more to that's happened. Um, you know, well, we've also also as well, Lionel Messi being unveiled uh, to enter Miami. Um, so that's going to be interesting. With his uh, pal Busquets. With his pal Busquets as well. Yep, and Jordi Alba's um, going yeah. to be joining right. as well. It looks like he's joining. So. That's going to be really interesting to see that kind of Barcelona link up at into Miami, and obviously Messi's the the star player now in the MLS. So it'll be interesting to see how how he'll settle down and um you know perform in the MLS. So that's quite exciting to see. Yeah, all eyes will be on the MLS and the Saudi league with Ronaldo and Messi both in their leagues. Um, and obviously, uh, he's joined David Beckham's side, which <clears> is obviously the literally rock bottom out of all the MLS clubs, but. Um, that won't happen with Messi because he'll with his quality in that league he'll just romp it and I think with his two his two pals that are literally in the link up would be sensational. Um, I think they will start clearing the table and I think there's a chance he can even win a trophy in September. I think is the one of the MLS cups. Um, so he could even win silver as soon as possible. So exciting times for Messi um in MLS because I think that will help the league grow even bigger again. Yeah, you were just saying there just about the fact that you're you're right. I think it will um help their their situation in terms of the performances and results. But like, it's such a good market move for MLS. You know, um, they seem the league in America just seems to be growing year on year, and um, to attract someone like Lionel Messi to 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 the MLS is it's it's really big for them. And um, you know, there's going to be well more eyes on. Um, football in uh, America, and you were just saying there as well with the Saudi League as well, also with Ronaldo. So, um, you know, European football is quite, you know, maybe we might see this this is coming that the spotlight won't be fully on, um, you know, European football next season. I I think a lot of fans around the world are going to start looking at football around uh, different parts of the world, which is you know quite something that's. But what well, I mean, it's interesting to see how see how it goes and see what happens with it and see, you know, how much the game grows around the world as well. Well, it is the world sport in my opinion, and obviously I focus mostly on the South Korean and Japanese football over here, and obviously we 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 obviously watch our own football back home in Scotland and in Europe in terms of England as well. But in terms of the Champions League, we always watch that and home nations. But it's good to see football from other sides of the world as well and some of the standard can actually surprise you because like some of the, the football and like some of the results are so, so surprising that like anybody can beat anybody and obviously with Messi and Ronaldo going to these parts of the world it, it will grow football into a global sport in terms of the global everyone just watches like different leagues that they probably wouldn't normally ever watch and it, it's, it's only going to benefit football in general because obviously it will help young boys and girls from these parts of the world grew up and 
want to play football because of these uh, superstars. Yeah, no, it is. It really is such a a great move in terms of like Ronaldo Messi playing these kind of different continents because like, um, it, as you say, it can help like, the future generation. You know, a lot of these kind of a lot of these kids that might want to go into football because Ronaldo and Messi are in their own country. So, uh, it, no, it's it really is a brilliant move, and you know, I think with the way football is going now in terms of transfers, I think we're going to see a lot more of it now where. Football players, it's not just Europe now. I think a lot of it now will be based on other parts of the world. So, yeah, really interesting times. Uh, so, coming up next, um, we'll be giving our combined 11 of Celtic and Rangers players from the 21st century. So, Pierce, we'll start off with you. So, who have you included in your starting 11 and why? Oh, so this is obviously the 21st century, um, so from 2000 onwards, um, and obviously both sides have for some world-class players in every position. Um, so it was really hard to choose from, and obviously I, didn't, I wanted to kind of, it was like kind of maybe like a 7-4 ratio, but, eventually, but I've eventually went for six Celtic players and five Rangers players, um, and I try to make it as a strongest side as possible. Um so start with like a forty-three formation, and somebody there's some players that just pick themselves. Like for instance, um, for me the goalkeeper, um, I've went with Stefan Kloss, who was a Champions League winner at uh, Borussia Dortmund alongside Celtic midfielder Paul Lambert, uh, in the late nineties, and then he went to Rangers for about five, I don't know for about five five years or so. Um, he was just exceptional. Um, he very really beat. Um, and he was just a really good shortstop on that's. I always remember him growing up. Just being like Rangers have always had top quality goalkeepers, and he was another one of them. And obviously, when the Champions League, then you have to be very good. Um, in terms of back line, I've went left back. I've went with uh, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. Just an attacking fullback. Um, he had a good good. Uh, Good long range finishing him. Uh, he was decent at tackle, very quick, um, small, diminutive, um, covered well. And I think the options I had, it was between him or potentially Tierney and Izagiri. And another one for Rangers I'd probably mention as well is uh, Sasa Papach. Ever reliable defenders. But I thought another one that's won the Champions League, I know it wasn't the Rangers, but it was at Barcelona. but for the brief spells at Ibrox, he went on uh, to Arsenal and then Barcelona, so um, he just showed his quality in Glasgow. Then um, at right back, I've went with uh, James Tavernier. Um, I just feel as if, although defensively he's not the greatest, um, but we've not really been blessed with that many great right backs at Celtic or Rangers. I think the pick of the bunch was Tavernier because how good he is going forward. I think probably the only other honourable mention I'd probably mention would be potentially Didier Gat or Fernando Rickson. But I've just went with Tavernier just solely on how good he is in the set-piece situations and, and the goal threats he has. And to score over 100 goals as a right-back uh, is an uh, unbelievable achievement. And then along, at left centre-back, I've went with uh, Lorenzo Amoruso, another defender that was tall, strong, and just, just an absolute colossal warrior at the back. And uh, alongside them, I went with another absolute giant in uh, Bobo Baldi. So I think the two together would have been absolutely frightening to come up against. 
one six foot six, one six foot five. <laughs> <laughs> both built like tree trunks, man. Um, no, but I thought both of them were brilliant defenders, although for a physical size, both tall, quick, um, and barely really ever get caught out. In the middle of the park, probably one of the hardest positions to choose from because there's so many players. Um, I've I've went with uh, the first one. I've went with is Barry Ferguson. Um, I just felt Rangers captain. Um, similar to that Neil Lennon slash Scott Brown. Uh, he, he was box to box. He had a bit of everything. Um, faced any challenge, got his team up. Um, and had a goal for it, and we set pieces like free kicks and penalties. And I just felt as if he just had to be on the side. And I've went with someone a little bit more attacking and uh, Stylian Petrov. I felt as if he just he just had that knack of arriving late into the box, similar to kind of a Frank Lampard type, but obviously in the SBO. Um, and he went on to Aston Villa to captain them uh, for many years. And I just felt as if he always popped up in big games, big goals against Rangers in the old firm games and in Europe. And I thought he was a tremendous footballer that great going forward. Uh, and alongside them, I've went with uh, Callum McGregor. So it was a toss up between Lennon, Brown, or McGregor. Um, and I, I felt as if Lennon was just too similar to Barry Ferguson, but he was more defensive. And I thought Barry Ferguson offered that bit more. And Scott Brown, for his longevity, was unbelievable. But I just felt McGregor was just a technically a better footballer. And like you say, I think it's just getting better year on, year out. And he's, he's got the most honours of any uh, Celtic player. Uh, I don't know if it's in history, but at the moment, anyway, in the current squad. Um, and I just think he's he can just play anywhere in the middle of the park or, or even the wing. And uh, my front three, I've went with, on the right, I've went with Shinsuke Nakamura. That's your set piece sorted. Um, and even when he, I think the, the 2006-07 season, when he was... At Celtic, he got 20th in the world for the Ballon d'Or rankings. For someone else to get those rankings uh, is unheard of. And that just shows how good he was that in that season. Although over his three, four year spell at Celtic, he was unbelievable. Um, and people to this day still remember him. Um, and he was he always came off at a right, that, uh, left flank, uh, right flank cutting in. But his crosses, his ability to drift in and just finish was unbelievable. Um wasn't the quickest, wasn't the strongest, but he was tall and he just he just had a, uh, something he just had something about him. And obviously he scored memorable goals in the Champions League free kicks against Van der Sar, the one that comes to mind. Probably one of the greatest free kicks I've seen in Champions League. Um and then on the left I went with um Aidan McGeady. Just felt as if when he was at Celtic, he was unbelievable. Um, Rangers defenders used to get terrorised by him. Champions League defenders used to terrorise uh, terrorize by him. I remember a skill he did, the McGeady, the McGeady spin on Paolo Maldini in the Champions League. And he nutmegged him, and not many people get Paolo Maldini. Although he wasn't probably the... Didn't see eye to eye with Gordon Stratton, but on his day, he was a phenomenal player. Um, and I think once he left Celtic, he... Didn't really hate the heights he, he had at Celtic, but at Celtic he was a tremendous player. <clears throat> and I think probably the greatest striker in the SBL history has probably got to be um, uh, Henrik Larson. What can you say about him? Uh, he was just like 
a complete centre forward. They could drop in a midfield, they can ping a pass, they can create assists, they can not make defenders, dink keepers, they can forget it. I don't know what height he was, maybe 5'10, 5'11. He was so good in the air as well. Um, remember, they took the two goals he scored in Seville in 2003 against Porto. Two absolute amazing headers. Um, and that's probably one of still his biggest regrets, not one of the European trophy with Celtic. But he then went on to single handedly kind of give Barcelona the Champions League with two world class assists in a final where you had Eto and Ronaldinho who failed to shine, and you'd also Terry on you on Arsenal's side. Um, but no, the record there at Celtic was unbelievable, and I felt as if another one who just loved the big, big games, and um, especially against the uh, Rangers, he terrorised them. Um, some of the goals, some of the skills, and you're talking about this Rangers team at that time as well, similar to Celtic, both were world-class teams. Like Celtic would beat right pump Rangers one week, then it would be the other. So it'd be like you'd have like a four 0 Celtic win, then you'd have a five 0 Rangers win. It'd be vice versa, constant with Martin O'Neill and uh, I think it was McLeish at the time. Um, no, no, they're both two two world class sides in my opinion. Um, quality over, and then obviously I'm leaving out some massive names. Just in the name of few, I'm leaving out the Dabur brothers. I'm leaving out Paul Lambert, Alan Thompson, Tom Rogic, um. Bouguera, Davy Weir, um, Jules Valharen, Johan Mielbe, Virgil van Dijk. Aye. And obviously the goalkeepers you're leaving out, Alan McGregor, um, Arthur Borut and Fraser Foster. That's four massive names there. But uh, that's the 11 I've went with that I feel as if that offers the most balance and hopefully you have uh, something a bit different, Tom. Yep, so I've just got slightly more Celtic players than Rangers players so I have seven Celtic players in my team and I've got four Rangers players um, so I'll start off with the goalkeeper so my goalkeeper's different to yours so I've went with Alan McGregor um, Alan McGregor uh, I've went with because he's been at Rangers two different spells but I just think his impact and like uh, his longevity as well, you know, it's just this summer he left Rangers and he's it was, he was 41 uh, and he's now 41. Um, you know, he's won countless trophies at Rangers, you know, he's been in the in the goals um, and led Rangers to two um, European finals. Um, you know, he's he's part of the Hall of Fame at Rangers and I just, I, I went with Alan McGregor just due to his longevity and the amount of games that he's managed to play because as a goalkeeper, if you play that many games, I mean it obviously means something, especially at a size of club like Rangers. So, um, Al McGregor as my goalkeeper. Um, I'll go. I'll start off with left back. So I went with Kieran Tierney. I went with Kieran Tierney because um of the achievements mainly of what. He... <coughs> Um, of the achievements that he's won, uh, you know, uh, he's a double, a double Trevor winner at Celtic, um, and also just the ability he had, um, in terms of like uh, his crossing was was absolutely amazing, um, and the fact that he's at at the moment he's the highest, uh, paid Scottish player. You know, Arsenal paid twenty five million for for Kieran Tierney, and that's the highest uh, Scottish player to be, you know, transferred. 
Um, so just just for these kind of reasons, um, I went um for Kieran Tierney. Uh, alongside him, I went with uh Virgil Van Dijk. I went with Virgil Van Dijk because although he wasn't at Celtic long, uh, I just think what he went on to do after he left Celtic is just something that was, you know, amazing. You know, he was part of the last three to potentially win the Ballon d'Or. You know, he's won the Champions League. Uh, you know, he's won the Premier League. Um, you know, he went to, he, you know, he went from Southampton to Liverpool for an awful lot of money after he left Celtic. Uh, so I just went for Virgil van Dijk just due to the fact that, um, you know, not many Celtic or Rangers players, when they leave, they go on to become worldwide worldwide names and Virgil van Dijk is one of them now. So uh, I'll go with Virgil van Dijk. Um, my other centre-back is Davy Weir, as uh, you, were, you were saying that you missed out. I went with Davy Weir because, you know, during his time at Rangers, he was just always so reliable. You know, he was... I think he came to Rangers at quite a... I think he was quite... Later on in his career, he was at, he came to Rangers. But, I, like, every time you watched him, he never never really made a mistake. You know, he was part of the team that went to the UEFA Cup final. Um, and, you know, I remember that run as well. Rangers hardly... Rangers defensively in, in the run to that final were, were really solid. And he was part of that... Um, Centre back pain. Um so Davy Weir just for the fact that just for his more because his reliability, he was always so reliable for Rangers and you know, he never really had a bad game for them. Um alongside Davy Weir at right back, I went with James Tavernier. Uh so I went with James Tavernier just due to the, the amount of goals that he scored for a right back, it's it's quite incredible. Um, you know. He's got such good ability in terms of taking free kicks and taking penalties. You know, um, when Rangers got to the Europa League final in 2021-22, I mean, his Europa League run was incredible. I think he scored double-digit goals in the Europa League, scored in the semi-final. I think he might have scored in every knockout kind of round all the way up to the final. Uh, so j- j- just for something, j- just for a right back to do something like that is just incredible. You know, he's now the club captain. Um, you know, he was part of a title one team that went the whole season unbeaten. Um, so James Tavernier, uh, just due to mainly due to the amount of goals he scores as a right back. So um, from a midfield, again, you were saying as well, it was so difficult uh, for me as well. So I went for a midfield full of captains. So uh C so at CDM, uh my first choice is Scott Brown. Uh so I went with Scott Brown just again his longevity and how much he's won at Celtic, you know, uh you know, it's been quite amazing the amount of trophies he's won at Celtic. Uh, you know, he'll go down as probably one of Celtic's best ever captains. You know, he had an amazing ability. Uh, you know, he was always up for the battle every time he played for Celtic. Um, you know, just a, an amazing captain. And yeah, so Scott Brown. Um, and my other centre mid is Barry Ferguson. So Barry Ferguson goes in there as well because uh, I think he was quite young as well when he took the captain's at Rangers. Um, so for something, I mean, that's really impressive. 
for a size for a club that size Rangers to to have the captaincy, it's really impressive. I think he he captained the Rangers team to a domestic treble, and so that I mean again impressive. And you know you as you were saying, he was a box to box midfielder. Uh, you know was always he always fought for the cause. You know he was Rangers through and through, and and you know a, a really good captain. Um, for for Rangers, it was it was it was really impressive, and my other midfielder is Cal McGregor, um, so another captain, who's the current captain at Celtic in the moment, um, but uh, I think we've talked to Cal McGregor on this podcast before, but I mean his technical ability is just it's just amazing, um, you know he's he's always so reliable, he never really never had a bad game, uh, you know uh, he's only recently been the captain of Celtic, but ever since he's put that captaincy, it just feels like he's got better and better in terms of you know, it just his trajectory, it's just went up. So he's just improved so much. Um so yeah, my midfield is Callum McGregor, Barry Ferguson, and Scott Brown, but th- there's there's a few names in there that I was really that were really, really difficult to to, you know, leave out. And my front three um is it's just basically the same as yours. Um, so, uh, on the right is Nakamura, and I just had to go for Nakamura just for his ability, in terms of free kicks especially. You know, he's known probably worldwide for his free kick goals uh, against like Man United, for example. You know, just an amazing ability. Um, in terms of that 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 left foot he had, it was it was unbelievable. Um, on the left, um, Aidan McGeady, you know, just a. Just a traditional winger, you know, he was always so difficult to to kind of stop and you know, right backs and any other player that would try and go up against him found always found it really difficult. And you know, he left Celtic for a lawful lot of money. And you know, he did really he did really well at Celtic as well, came through the academy. And so Eddie McGeady. And last but not least, um, I don't think anyone would leave this guy out. Whoever you support Celtic or Rangers, and I went with him at Austin. You know, as you said, that he is probably the best striker Scotland has seen, or he's right up there. You know what he achieved at Celtic. You know what he went on to achieve as well. You know, as you said, with Barcelona and single-handedly winning them the Champions League. Um, but he was an amazing striker for Celtic. Um, you know, went on to achieve so many things, and yeah, that is my combined eleven of Celtic and Rangers players. So, final final part of the show, Pierce will now give his Asian football roundup. So, we'll start off with um, the Korean League table. So, on Saturday, July the 15th, um, we had uh, Suwon, Samsung Blue Wings 3, Ilsen Hyundai 1, Gangwon FC 1, FC Seoul 1, Gwangju FC 1, Daegu FC 1. And on Sunday, the July 16th, we had Jumbo Hyundai Motors 1, Suwon FC 0, Poland Steelers 4, Jeju United 2, Inchon United 2, Daejeon Hana Citizen 0. So it's leaving the table looking like this. At the top of the three, we have Ulsan Hyundai on 53 points after 23 matches played. Second position, we have Poland Steelers in 41. And in third place, we have third and fourth place, we have FC Seoul and Jumbo Hyundai Motors joint third in 37 points. So as you can see, Ulsi and Dodgers run away with the league um, consistently just kind of they faltered this weekend, but 
Um, they were often not. They're winning most weeks, and they've got an un- unassailable lead. I don't think anybody's catching them. Um, it's all about fighting out for the three teams fighting out for second position. And at the bottom of the table, we have um, Sue One, Samson Blue Wings on 15 points, and Gangwon FC just above them, one point above them on 16 points. So in the J League one on Saturday, July the 15th, we'd Hoikido, Considol, Sapporo, nil. Albrecht, they got a one. Uh, Yokohama, F. Marnos, nil. Kawasaki, Frontale, one. Um, Sunday, July the 16th, we had Sanfrecce, Hiroshima, one. Yokohama, FC, one. Uh, Serezo, Osaka, two. Urawa, Red Diamonds, nil. Uh, FC, Tokyo, one. Kashima, Atlas, three. Uh, Gambo, Osaka, three. Kawashiya, Racial, one. Kyoto, Sanga, two. Nagoya, Grampus, one. Uh, Shonan, Belmer, nil. Avis Fafakoka, one. Basel Kogi, two. Sagan, two, so one. So that was a costly um, a defeat for Yokami F. Marnos, losing to Kawasaki Frontale, um, which was Rio Atati's old side. Um, so Vassel Kobe is now top of the table on goal difference, having played one game less than Yokami F. Marnos because they played a friendly against Barcelona a few weeks ago. Um, so now on 20, 20 games played, 43 points, and then the rest of all played 21 games. So second position, we've got Yokami F. Marnos on 43 points, having played a game more. And then the third position, we've got Nogo Grampus on 39 points, just behind them. So it's set up for an f- exciting end to the season. Um, we're just past the halfway stage in the J-League, so it's uh, set up for a grand finale, and it's a lot more um, closer than it is in the Korean League. So down the bottom of the table, it's just as tight as it is at the top. Um, Shonan Bermier on 13 points. Um, 17th position, we've got Kashiwa Rachel on 14 points. And then the 16th position, we've got Yokama FC on 15 points. So in terms of Asian football news, so um, we have the Japan Tour of 2023. So... We record as we're recording this, the game has just happened the first match, which was Wednesday, 19th of July. Yokam F. Marnos versus Celtic FC. Um, but we've got set off a more blockbuster game. So on Saturday, 22nd of July, we've got Gambo Saka versus Celtic FC. Um, Sunday, the 23rd of July, Yokohama F. Marnos versus Manchester City. Um, Tuesday, the 25th of July, PSG versus Al Nassar in Japan as well. Um, Wednesday, 26th of July, Bayern Munich versus Manchester City. Thursday, the 27th of July, Al Nassar versus Inter Milan. And then Friday, 20th of July, uh, Cerezo Osaka versus PSG. And then Saturday, the 29th of July, Kawasaki Frontale versus Bayern Munich. And then to round it off, Tuesday, the 1st of August, PSG versus Inter Milan. So we're set up for a blockbuster two weeks of football in Japan. Starting off with Celtic versus Yokami F. Marinos. Um, so, another bit of breaking news in the uh, Japanese league. Former Barcelona Akane product, uh, project, uh, product, sorry, Sergio Sampa, uh, has officially left G League one side Vassel Kobe after four years. He is now a free agent and potentially um, hitting his prime at 20 years, 28 years of age. Um. But he did fail to make a single J League One appearance in 2023. He only mustered three appearances in the J League Cup and one appearance in the Emperor's Cup, with a grand total of 296 minutes. 
The 2022 G1 season wasn't much better either, with just six League One appearances and an Empress Cup app. Um, his injury record hasn't been great the last two years, but if you can get stay fit and get back to the form he, he had in his previous spell in his first three years, um, he's capable of being a top CDM slash centre mid. Um, for Barcelona at his time in a Vassal Kobe during his first three years, where he was a mainstay. Um, with just Japanese players and a handful of Brazilians left in the squad, the Vassalona uh, project appears to have reached its conclusion, obviously not long after Andres Iniesta left the club as well. Um, so Celtic FC are set to seal a double deal of young South Korean talents um, in the shape of Yang Hyun Jun and Kwon Hyuk Kyu. Uh, Yang and Jun deal has been in the work for a number of weeks and he's finally said his goodbyes to the club and fans after Saturday's 1-1 draw at home to FC Seoul. A fee of around €2.5 million Euros has been agreed between the two clubs for the tricky winger. It's expected that uh, Kwon Hyuk Kyu will join Celtic for the, the Japanese tour with a fee of around £860,000, securing an agreement between Celtic FC and Busan E-Park. Celtic tried to do this deal back in January, uh, but have now got their man, a tall physical CDM, very much in the same mould of a young Neil Beaton. He played his final game on Sunday the 16th of July at home to Strong Young FC. They lost 3-2 and was given the perfect send-off by the club and fans as he confirmed his departure at full time. Celtic mean business, they get two of the most promising young players in South Korea. Kwon especially is a sneaky good signing, especially since he's a player that Celtic have looked at since the post-Coglu era. Um, big CDM with tons and tons of potential. Uh, Bayern Munich have confirmed the sign of Kim Min Jae from Napoli on Wednesday the 19th of July. Uh, Kim signed a five-year deal with the German Giants, which runs until the summer of 2028. Uh, summer to Lee King in to, to PSG. This one has been the watch for a couple of weeks, but Bayern have finally got their man, and that's all your latest Asian football news. Thank you, Pierce. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Football Trigger podcast. This podcast will be available to listen to on the Football Trigger YouTube channel and also the Football Trigger website. Thanks for listening and see you soon. Bye-bye.